0: Welcome. I'm Sebastian Mothout, and you're listening to
1: WCAT Radio, the on-air wing of Enroute Books and Media, bringing you the dulcet sounds of Catholic wisdom with our host, Bob Olson, who will now introduce today's show and speaker.
0: WCAT Radio presents Cry Oneness, a program with Joe Avalos to encourage people to share their experience with God. Their miracles, their music, their poetry. Share your life. And now here's our host Joe Avalos. Good to have you back, Joe.
1: Oh, good to be here, Bob. Good to hear your voice again.
0: So, where are we going tonight?
1: Well, I I felt inspired to write a couple of things uh, just a couple of days ago. I went out in the car with me and my dog Mercy, you know, and we took a ride. And I stopped someplace in nature and just got inspired to write a. Another chapter to that book I've been trying to get together, that I shared with you the first three chapters of, and now I think I have another chapter to share with you, and I also have okay. a locution that I think came out very nice uh, just today about the face of God and how I how I okay. feel it is. Yeah.
0: Okay. So. so uh, let's go.
1: You want to do the first chapter of the? This will be chapter four of that book I'm trying to write.
0: Sounds good.
1: And it's it's a chapter on the miracle, life in the spirit miracle. And uh, both you and your wife were a part of this chapter, so I'm happy to announce that, too. I hope it came out well, and if it's not, I'm sure you'll let me know how I can make it a little bit better, because you and your wife are very important parts of my uh, spirituality and recovery.
0: No, I read some of it already. It looks good, Joel.
1: Okay, so here it goes. At one of my many trips to my father's house in Moody's, Connecticut... I met Bob Olson and his wife. They were great people and had a lot of training in spiritual warfare, some of it through Neil Lanzano's Heart of the Father Unbound Ministries. After hearing my stories and some of my poetry and locutions, they strongly advised me to take an eight-week Life in the Spirit course so I could develop better powers of discernment of spirits, which is very important. The next course was in New Haven at St. Brendan's. I trusted them and I signed up. It was an eight week course based on scripture and designed at the end to rebaptize the attendee in the Holy Spirit. The course leaders prayed over people at the end and requested the seven gifts of the Spirit to be activated in the attendance as the Spirit desired. I thoroughly enjoyed the course, but wasn't sure if anything would really happen to me after it. One day weeks later, I was at my friend's house in Stanford and my five-year-old goddaughter, Michelle, and their grandson, Christopher, of the same age, were wrestling. I was afraid they would hurt one another. When I went to holler something at them in English, loud words came out in a language I didn't even know. Both five-year-olds froze in action immediately and looked at me with such bright, wide eyes that I thought that they would pop out. I still remember their looks today. They never stopped doing anything that quickly when asked before. It was like they and all time had frozen instantly for seconds. All reference to time was suspended by some force we didn't understand. Finally, they broke the silence by laughing and shouting in unison with great awe. Do that again, Uncle Joe. Do that again. I, too, being in shock, replied, I can't do that again. I don't even know what I did or what I just said. They laughed hysterically and resumed wrestling and I stood still trying to figure out who or what had just happened to us. Was I going insane? Then it hit me. I had just received the gift of tongues, as promised by the Life and the Spirit instructors at St. Brendan's in New Haven. I called Bob Olson in awe, and he said, just accept the gift and keep practicing. I said, practice what? This is just like my poems. I don't have a clue of how to do it again. He said, just try babbling like a baby and the Spirit will come alive in you and speak again through you. You will have nothing to do with it. It's just total surrender to the Spirit. I saw him again at a retreat about a month later, and he asked me how it felt to speak in tongues. I said, Bob, it's like a dose of joyful exhaustion, like the endorphin feeling I felt in 1995 after running a marathon, only even better. He agreed. What a great feeling you get when you surrender your all to God, and his spirit starts speaking back to God in words that come from your heart that you don't even understand, unless you have the gift of translation of tongue, which I don't, yet. Because with God, all things are possible. The word impossible just makes my God laugh hysterically, like the kids laughed that day when I spoke in tongues. Yeah, I think that's a good chap- chapter. Another Very chapter.
0: good. Oh. And by the way, um uh, <clears throat> the uh fellow uh Neil Lozano. It's uh L A uh Z A N O, I think.
1: Oh I, yeah, I spelled it wrong.
0: <clears throat> no, there was just a couple of extra letters in there.
1: What Neil a great couple he and his wife are too, huh? <clears throat> yeah.
0: L-A-Z-A-N-O, I think that's it.
1: Right, correct that. But they go all over the world giving their presentations, and they've helped so many people who were bound in evil spirits.
0: Yeah, they were in uh, some of those countries where they had those ethnic uh, cleansings, you know. Right. And they actually got people to forgive, these tribes forgive each other.
1: That's amazing. Yep. Isn't it funny that about a year and a half, a year and a half after you and your wife did that with me, I went to a conference in Orlando, Florida, and met them in person. It's amazing how the spirit moves people once you just surrender, right? That's
0: right. Well, I wouldn't be in Connecticut, Joe, if it wasn't for that.
1: I don't know where I'd be. What got you to come to Connecticut? I'd like to hear that story.
0: Well, um... my wife had died. My first wife had died and, uh, of cancer. <clears throat> and uh, I had uh, done 35 years of hockey broadcasting, and they wanted to retire me because they wanted to name the, uh, the arena after or the uh, press box after me. They wanted to give me an honor before I died. Wow. So uh, they uh, retired me, and I... I went to work with uh, Father Al Lauer in Cincinnati to uh, operate a uh, and run a retreat center. So that's uh, that's how I got there. And then um, they closed the retreat center for a while to uh, catch up on, on some things. And so then I went with Father Bill McCarthy out to Connecticut and lived at Moodis for three years. And that's when I met uh- you.
1: How would you hear about Father Bill McCarthy?
0: Well, he had been a speaker at our Bible Institute in Cincinnati. He had been the mm-hmm. main speaker. And so uh, I, we were going to write a book on evangelization, but he was writing so many books, we never did get around to that yet.
1: Yet, <coughs> but, uh, yet, like is, yet say, is a good word, yeah. <laughs> you never know what God's going to do next when you're, right. when you're willing. right?
0: But you know, I, there's no way I would have uh, been doing all those things without uh, being uh, baptized in the Holy Spirit because, see, we received the Holy Spirit at, um, at uh, baptism and John Paul II, St. John Paul II, who said that when we're baptized, we receive a radical newness when everything mm-hmm. is new. But see, we have to be aware of that and we have to pray for openness to that to receive it. We have to get we have to get stirred up. These gifts have to get stirred up. Right. And that's what happens in a life in the spirit seminar.
1: And that that I think is the whole idea behind the show is to get people stirred up enough to share what's going on in their life with God instead of just all the terrible stuff that's going on, you know. Right. It's so important that people stay positive these days. You know, I was just listening to uh Richard Rohr speak at one of his conferences on, online last night. And, uh, you know, he said he was talking to a, a, a psychoanalyst who, who, you know, specialized in, uh, you know, people's brains and what they do. And he says that our brains are, you know, even non-alcoholic and, non, you, know, you know, non-alcoholic people included, you know, normal people, they have a high affinity that, that, that the brain attaches to no- negative thoughts like Velcro. And when a positive thought comes in, the brain reacts like Teflon, and the thought just slides right by. Unless you grab a hold of it and praise and worship God and thank Him for it for about 15 seconds, it just goes into oblivion, and you stay totally negative. And that's so true, isn't it? If you don't focus on what's good in your life, you go down in a hurry. You know?
0: And that's why it's important um, to have a journal. And what I do, I started. When I first uh, started to follow Jesus, I would write a, uh, a letter to Jesus before I went to bed, thanking him for everything good that happened during the day. And right. having that attitude of gratitude. And I still do it. I just did it a while ago. And just yeah, that thank gratitude, him for,
1: yeah.
0: Thank him for everything that happened, even the, the, the good things and the bad things that happened. Because we still have to stay positive and, uh about the bad things and get rid of them, you know.
1: Right, in the 12-step work I attend, you know, we do something called a personal inventory, step 10 every day, and looking at your whole day and, uh, you know, reviewing your whole day and looking for what you did right <laughs> and what you did wrong and just thanking God for everything, including the things that you think went wrong because, you know, God can use evil for good and, you know, God uses our sin share, to save us. can turn all uh,
0: things to good. He can turn
1: yeah, so we we do this inventory followed by a gratitude list and we write down every single thing we're grateful for and then we include the things we're not so grateful for in that gratitude list, but we always put the positive things first, you know, and uh, that that has helped me immensely because I didn't start that until about four years ago and it really had a drastic effect on my sobriety and my spirituality. It It, it made me well, feel so much better, you know.
0: The 12 Threat Program is based on Christianity. so.
1: Right, and vice versa, right? It's like all God speaking through all programs, really.
0: Right.
1: Just There's so many different ways of getting to the same God that we believe in, you know? He has so many different paths for everybody, and he is so creative, you know? If we let him create our lives, we have good ones. If we try to create our own lives we fall a little bit short, I think. I've learned that we have to be patient enough to wait for God to create something in our path before we act on things. And we always have to use good discernment whenever there's a major choice in our life. Mm -hmm. Uh, I like to say, just put one foot in front of the other and take care of what's right there. And uh, don't try to force things to happen like I used to. You know, it's so much better that way.
0: He'll move us if we let him, right? What I call that is a snowplow Uh, philosophy Mm -hmm. because we used to get as much as 300 inches of snow a year yep and when these snow plows are out there plowing snow they got to go in a straight line right They can't go in and out in and out in and out you got to go a straight line on that road and uh, that's the same with us we just go straight ahead we just take care of everything in front of us. We don't have to worry about what's on the right side or the left side.
1: We don't well, have to that's go good, that's for good, things. That's a good analogy, Bob.
0: We don't. You don't have to go looking for things because there's plenty of stuff right in front of you.
1: No, there's no need to look. <laughs> the more you dig, the deeper you get. Right? That's right. <laughs> then you're in a hole you don't know how to get out of, and you have to wait for somebody to come help you.
0: <clears throat> you're right.
1: I've done that before, you know, you dig your own hole and you look for somebody else to blame for.
0: it. <laughs> yeah, we learned a, we've learned a lot, haven't we?
1: Oh, yeah, it's a, life is such a good lesson, you know, God teaches us so, so much just by, by what he puts in front of us, you know?
0: Right. He designed this
1: whole thing like a giant mosaic, right? Before we were even born, he knew what we were going to do, but he let us do our thing anyway.
0: I just got a call tonight. Uh, from uh, a lady that has uh, got a Life in the Spirit seminar starting uh, Sunday, and I think she's got 40, 45 people lined up already. Wow, and, that's uh, great. She, wa- she wanted to know if I could take part in it, so I I tried to get her back, but I couldn't, so I, I still have to talk to her.
1: Yeah, I remember the one we did, you, you know, you came down and I helped you at St. Bridget's in Stanford. That's oh, kind of yeah. funny because. That is where I met Father Bill McCarthy. He came down and gave a retreat, and that's how I wound up with you up in Mootis. And it must have happened at the same time you decided to leave, uh, to come to Connecticut. Yeah. You told me about it. He did a Mm -hmm. parish retreat, and he sat down, he came up to the altar, and I was struggling, uh, because I was in step three in my program, and that's, uh, you know, where you start searching for God more. And uh, I was confused, because... I felt so good in the program I was thinking that's all I needed I was about ready not to go to Catholic Church anymore to be honest with you and I went to a parish retreat and Bill came down and told me something I never knew before he stood up there on the altar and he said to start this retreat I want to share I want you all to meet Jesus and I said wow how's this going to happen you know he's nailed on the cross up there behind Father Bill how are we going to meet him so that was my disease speaking and uh He said, look at the person to your left, okay, look at the person at your right, now shake hands with both of them. You've just shaken hands with Jesus, and that that was a watershed event for me, Bob. It made me understand where Jesus really is. He's always in the person I'm looking at if I look hard enough, including the person in the mirror. And it took me a long time to accept the person in the mirror as having Jesus, because for a long time I hated myself and I didn't love myself. But the spiritual process I've been going through for the past 12 years now has brought me to the point where I know that God is not just up there. God is in here, you know. He's in us, trying to get our attention all the time. Correct? The Holy Spirit works so hard to get our attention sometimes, and we don't even listen. Until we learn how.
0: Well, uh, when you go to communion, when you receive the Eucharist, what happens, it's like if you took uh, melted wax and poured it into a cup of melted wax, they would just, you know, completely integrate. All right? Right. In other words, and that's what happens in the Eucharist was when we receive the Eucharist, we receive Jesus, but then he receives us. When yeah. we walk out of that church, we walk out of that church after Eucharist, after the Mass, we're walking with Jesus in us. Right. We're in Jesus.
1: In Jesus, and, and Christ he- is everywhere, you know, he
0: is everywhere,
1: you know. That's and, right. Uh, but that's a, such a beautiful sacrament to receive the Eucharist and really start believing that that's Jesus, the body that you are eating. And that's what Father Bill McCarthy got me to believe, you know, and the Eucharist has a whole new meaning when you understand. <coughs> first of all, that we're all a part of the body of Christ, and when we nurture ourselves with that body of Christ after it's consecrated by the, by the priest, it is the true body of Christ. And, you know, none of that made any sense until my spiritual awakening. I was just a habitual Catholic who went to church and occupied a few and didn't understand what was going on. But now, wow, oh, what a feeling, right, Bob?
0: There's so much to know.
1: Yeah, and it's not a habit anymore. It's a joy and a love, you know, when you go to church. Right. It's a joy and a love. I sing at church, you know. I never sang before, before this happened to me, the spiritual awakening that you and your wife had so much to do with, you know. It, it just wasn't real for me. And I think... It's not real for a lot of Catholics. I think that's why 70% of Catholics don't attend church anymore. I sure wish that they would come back, you know. I was talking to Father Al in Stanford. He's an 86-year-old priest, about the same age as you. And he was married and has grandchildren. He was a fighter pilot. And he has such an all-inclusive, open attitude from that pulpit. And, you know, he treats us all like his children and he's totally forgiving, just like Christ, you know. And it's just, all priests are like that, but there's some that are so. Some priests, you really feel like you're talking to Jesus, and others, you you know you're you know you're talking to Jesus, but it doesn't seem real. You know what I'm saying? Everybody's mm-hmm. got different uh, approaches in that. Right. Uh, He he told me one day. He said, "Joe, we've got to do something." He says, "I just looked at the Vatican statistics, and 70% of Catholics don't don't go to church anymore. They're all tied up with relativism." They think so long as somebody else is doing worse than them, that it's okay. They don't have to do anything, you know? That's why they don't believe in sin sin or anything. They just think if everybody else in the world is doing that, I can do it too. If everybody else in the world is not going to church, I don't have to go either, you know? I'll be all right. What a bad way to think, right?
0: That's right.
1: <clears throat> They're being seduced, just like I was. And I don't want know why he brought me back, but I'm so happy he did. You know, he showed me his face in Vero Beach, Florida. He gave me poetry. You have to start seeking him instead of yourself before you can find him.
0: That is a great, we have, a,
1: we have a saying in my program, self-seeking avails us nothing. All we find is the emptiness we created for ourselves.
0: Yeah, the answer is in
1: Jesus. Yeah, God would never do to us what we do to ourselves, would he, Bob? No. No. Nope. I'm so grateful. That gratitude list I do every night now and the one that you do. Yeah. You know, for for some reason, he's gracing us with his presence. And uh, he's there for everybody who wants him. I'm um, remembering that locution I got, I thirst for you. I love you. I need you. I died for you. I bled for you. You know? He begs people to come to him. But you have to have the right ears on, you know, to hear it. Because he will never violate free will. And we certainly have free will run a riot in this country, in this world right now, don't we? It's horrible. He's well, so willing to help, we can... and we're so resistant to asking for help.
0: Right. In fact, um, <clears throat> I think we talked about this in the book before, The uh, Resisting Happiness, Matthew Kelly. Oh, yeah,
1: he's a great guy.
0: He says on the cover, A true story about why we sabotage ourselves, feel overwhelmed, Set aside our dreams and lack the courage to simply be ourselves, and how to start choosing happiness again. That's 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 what we want to do: is choose happiness. Yeah. And uh, this attitude of gratitude is is uh, is a good start.
1: Oh, attitude of gratitude. uh. That's what that Monsignor in Vero Beach, Florida, told me. Fifty years in the program, as well as being a priest, he said. He said, "Joe, don't you understand?" He said, "What sin is?" "Sin." "Well, yeah, I know what sin is." He says, "Do you?" He said, "All sins mean sin means is without God. It means you're living your life without God." That's sure. right. You know, God uses sin to save us, and uh, that was astounding too. You know. All the amazing things we hear when we start looking for the right things. And he told me, Don't 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 meditate, Joe, contemplate. And I said, What do you mean don't meditate, contemplate? So I got three books on contemplation that week and one by Thomas Merton, one by Michael Keating, and The Cloud of Unknowing. And and I read. And then weeks later I started writing poetry in an AA meeting. You know, it's just a matter of, it's always God leading us, I think, isn't it? It really has nothing to do with us when we start doing the right thing. We can just start no. doing something. Just be willing and he'll pull us the rest of the way, right?
0: And I like what Father Bill says. He speaks to us through our thoughts.
1: Right. I remember when I first started hearing that, I I was afraid I was going to go crazy listening to my own voices, you know. But that's not Mm -hmm. true. Proper discernment is listening to all your thoughts and only attaching to the ones that are good for you. That's That's right. And not feeding the negative thoughts. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, the opposite of what I was talking about before, you know let your brain be Teflon to all the negative thoughts but let the positive thoughts stay and uh what i heard a couple of days ago was it's very important to hold on to every positive thought for at least 15 seconds and you'll have a you'll have a miraculous conversion if you can do that because somewhat somehow we're wired to let the negative thoughts stick and the positive thoughts just go away right away. We don't hold on to them long enough. That's what they say. And I believe that.
0: Hold on to them for 15 seconds, huh?
1: That's what he said. Yeah, That's, that's Richard Rohr, too. He says, hold on to those positive thoughts for at least 15 seconds. You know, and take time to thank God for them at, before you let them go. Mm-hmm. And it can change your life. And that's the same as a gratitude list. You know, when you do the gratitude list at the end of each day, and thank God for everything before you go to sleep, you wake up in a better mood because you start your night off with positive thoughts instead of negative thoughts.
0: Tonight you're going to talk about locution too, huh?
1: Yeah, let me get that. Uh, I really like this one. I wrote it today and uh, shared it with some people already. It's kind of long. I hope it's not too complicated. But uh, You already saw this one, I think. but Face of God Locution. People used to believe there is a star for every person on Earth. But now science has proved there are approximately 70 galaxies for each person on Earth. If we could understand from this completely how small we are and how great our God is, we would have perfect humility and be right sized. After a share of my twelve step meeting on the topic of how dangerous it is dangerous it is to compare and feel different, I started brainstorming. Because actually we all are. We look different. I came up with this. If I could leave my body and go through that tunnel my father described when he had his cardiac arrest in nineteen seventy two and I was getting ready to enter the bright light he described after being with Jesus before he was successfully resuscitated. And if I was allowed to look back at the entire present universe through God's eyes, I would see a gigantic living mosaic comprised of every man, woman, child, creature, and object. I would see through spiritual eyes that God made everything different so that it would fit together better, like a giant beautiful living quilt our spiritual mother could have knitted. And then in that precise moment, I would be ready to enter the womb of salvation and be in Jesus' light, and hell would only be a distant, fleeting negative thought. And my heart only would understand that I was now viewing the faces and skin of my God. And what a tiny piece of that skin Joe is. I would instantly know that God is not up there. He is, in fact, in here and that every living creature is a piece of God in because God is a verb, not a noun. And we are each part of God unless we use our will to separate ourselves from God.
0: I don't think I ever saw that one before.
1: No? <clears throat> pretty pretty like powerful, that. though, isn't it? Yeah. It is. I mean... Uh, this I, I had a very strong urging to write this. I mean, for a day I was getting, like, parts of it. And then I finally sat down today with Mercy in the car and uh, my dog Mercy and hopefully the other Mercy because I prayed that I would be able to write a good chapter to my book and I prayed that I'd be able to document this locution properly. And uh, I, I kind of think both prayers were answered in these two writings tonight. But uh, God is so good to us, you know. If we just let him take control of our lives instead of trying to do it ourselves. He's always there to help us. And I, I was so afraid to ask for help in my own life, you know? And that was just my pride. And so many people and their pride come between them and God and use it to edge God out. And that's why 70% of Catholics don't come to church, I think. They think they have everything they need and they're missing the most important need that they have. Communion with their God. If so yeah, they don't share what God that... gives them, they're going to lose it, right? If they don't empty themselves and share with other people, they're going to lose what they have. It's it's
0: biblical, isn't it? That's right. Sounds good. Yeah. <clears throat> but uh, how did you ever uh, name your dog Mercy?
1: Well, that's a funny little story. Uh, I had lost a beautiful Wheaton Terrier named Mandy, and uh, I went to Westport Puppies with my sister, and uh, my little niece, Scott daughter, who I shared about already, was with us, and she saw a little poodle that she loved, a combination of uh, York, Yorkshire and poodle, and she fell in love with the dog, so I helped my sister buy it. I went half, and it was a design, it's a mixture, but it was cost $1,800, so I paid for half of it. And uh, a couple of weeks later, it was Mercy Sunday, and I went back to the store because I was going to order a dog online, uh, a miniature uh, part poodle, and part something else, and I wanted to see what it looked like. And I went into the store, and I saw a dog that looked just like my old Wheaton Terrier in the cage, and the dog was six months old. And the lady, the owner of the store, Westport Puppy, saw me, and I said, I'm just looking because I'm getting the dog online. She says, take him out. That dog is you. And I said, no, I can't afford your dogs. I'm not taking them out. She said, just take him out. Put him on your lap in the cage over there. So I did. And I I pet him for a while, and I really liked him, and I, I I knew I couldn't afford him, so I gave him back to the owner of the Pet Star. I said, okay, put him away. Thank you very much. I have to go now. And uh, it was Mercy Sunday. So um, she says, that dog is you. I said, I can't afford your dog. She says, I saw what you did for your sister a couple of weeks ago. That dog is six, six months old, and he has a slight overbite. I'll give them to you for $500 and throw in a free cage because of what you did for your sister. And I'll give you food for a month. So, therefore, his name became Mercy. On Mercy Sunday, I got him. Yeah, Divine Mercy Sunday was a big celebration for me every year because my main devotion before the Holy Face was the Divine Mercy devotion. And I I think you know this. I'm not sure... uh, when I started working with Don Knowles, I actually got uh, Lay vows as a pass- Passionist uh, at the Monastery at Edgemont Boulevard in Queens, and I took the Passionist name of Joe of the Holy Face and the Divine Mercy. So that's my Passionist name that I was uh, took Lay vows with. Wow. So that's why Mercy got his name.
0: That's a beautiful story. Well, how only long God ago can was write that?
1: stories like that, huh?
0: How long ago was that? Five you years got
1: ago. your dog Five years ago was the, it was the year Five I came years. off all the sedatives I went on for, It was the year I got went to Orlando and forgave my father. It was that same year. It was the year I came off all medications, and it was the year I got the dog. Just gift after gift, you know. When you when you forgive everybody in your life, whoever hurt you, that's when you start getting the serious blessings, and that's where self love starts to return, and self forgiveness is the next step. It was after that that I forgave myself that all kinds of good things started happening to me. He doesn't want us not forgiving other people in our lives, and he doesn't want us not forgiving ourselves, because he forgives all, and he wants us to forgive all, including ourselves. Then self-love enters, and boy, that is a beautiful feeling, isn't it, Bob?
0: Yes. Um, I started early with that, too, uh you know, when I first started following Jesus, I made a list of everybody that had ever hurt me in my life. And uh, I forgive every one of them. That's great. And I, uh, and I would take the list out every day and make sure, you know, that I had taken care of everything. But then I made a list of all the people that I had hurt. Oh, yeah. That was twice as lo- that was twice as long. <laughs> so I had to ask forgiveness from them, you know. Yeah. Some of the some of them I had a contact. Most of them I didn't. But That's I think just, I don't yeah. know if I told you this or not. But I, uh, with those that I had forgiven, or those I hadn't forgiven, when I was walking down the street. Uh, God would point out certain people now he'd say, now this one you have to go and talk to him face to face. He would actually show me, you know, people, wherever I was going, he'd show me individuals. There weren't that many, but uh, there there were a few. That's, and uh, that's see, amazing. I used to be on the yes. radio. I had a talk show, and I used to before I was converted. I used to tell people off on the radio and things like that. You know?
1: Oh yeah, me too. I was I was one of those big shots too. Yeah.
0: So I had to repent to
1: you know how important I am. You know?
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, and that's that's the way I was exactly. Um, <clears throat> but I was so I was so full of fear when I was doing that. You know fear. When you're, when you're fear-driven, that's the type of thing that happens. When you're self-centered and fearful, that kind of stuff gets to you, you know. You're really just hollering at yourself when you're hollering at these other people, I think. I really hated myself, I've come to learn, you know. I just thought I loved myself. When you're buried in lies, that's what happens. You know, when I was up at the yoga center, I heard that thing in front of the Dalai Lama, don't let the lie you're living become the truth of who you are, that that's that's first of life, uh, first half of life stuff, you know. You outgrow that when you get spiritual, hopefully. But these days I let yeah. my dog boss me around. I don't care, you know. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Once I start offering resistance, I start going in the wrong direction. When I start resisting life, I'm in trouble i got to accept it all the time. Even when it gets bad, I have to keep accepting, you know?
0: Well, we have to accept what he uh, gives us, and we accept what he takes. Right. It's the same thing.
1: Yep. He certainly gives a lot more than he takes, right?
0: gives a lot more, that's right. But that that's the thing about this Thanksgiving thing every day is to try to spend some time with that because we take uh, we take so many things for granted. You know, our car, our gas, our all these things.
1: But the air, we, air we breathe lot, too, right? We take but, we take the air we breathe for granted too. That's That's right. That's our part of health, our the weather right all the people we have Uh, in our life you know they don't just show up by accident yeah
0: our priests our church our holy father
1: this is good Doing the gratitude list early tonight Mm mm-hmm what are things sometimes we forget we should be grateful for
0: what are some of the things you say Well, we just mentioned some. I, uh, I would say we get, we should be thankful for everything because God can turn all things to good.
1: Yes, yeah. including getting in stuck words, in a traffic getting, jam, right? He He uses that to teach us patience.
0: And uh, he teaches us patience in the, s- the supermarket line, and like you say, at yeah. the stop sign, and and. Uh, I was just thinking one, too, that.
1: You can tell the people that are working the hardest trying to get patient. They're the ones who let everybody cut in line in front of them or tell them to go ahead and they wait longer. That's right. Know, practicing
0: patience. That's right.
1: When I can do something I, like I, that, I know I'm having a good day when I can let other people walk in front of me because normally I don't like that, you know. Like I can't stand waiting I in line.
0: I had a priest I worked with in Michigan. And uh, he says that when you're driving up to a restaurant and you see a, a open spot to park right in front of the door, yes, like he says, uh, you should save that spot for Jesus. Right. In other words, <laughs> we, I used to drive and I'd say, oh, man, thank you, Jesus. You know, there's a spot right there. But see, you got to save that for the next person who is Jesus.
1: I, I hear it's like monks that are happy when people are rude and stuff to them because they can practice forgiveness.
0: <laughs> that's, that's exactly right. I love that.
1: I want to share that. I think I shared this before, but this funny story about the monk and his instructor at the monastery and the skeleton in the closet. It's, it's a biology class, and he's teaching a young monk how to be a monk. And the older, you know, the teacher monk says, okay, go to the closet and take out that skeleton and come and put it on my desk up here in the front of the room. And the young monk looks at him funny, but he does it because he's trying to obey orders, you know, and his superior. So he takes the skeleton out and he puts it on the table in front of the room. And the older monk says, okay, now take his arm and lift it up and point the finger out the window. So he's really looking at the older monk like he's crazy now, but he does it anyway. And the other monk says, okay, and he's practicing obedience. He says, now take the other arm and take the finger and point it out the door. And he does it, and he, he's, really, he's really starting to get upset, but he doesn't say anything because he's being a good monk. And finally the older monk says, okay, brother so-and-so, now, did you notice any resistance when you did those things? And the young monk says, no. He says, okay, good, go out and practice.
0: I'm just right. like offering
1: no resistance like the skeleton. Yeah, That's right. <laughs> <clears throat> life. That's, you
0: know, let that's whatever happens, story.
1: happens, and whatever happens is supposed to happen. That's the lesson, right? Okay. So just do your best to accept it, and that's the whole premise of this program I'm in. Acceptance is the solution to all our problems today. Until I accept every person, place, and thing in this universe as being exactly the way it's supposed to be in this moment, I cannot have true, peace or guess who true peace is right right that's powerful that's in page 417 of the 12-step big book and uh it's so important that i read that a lot because i keep forgetting i keep thinking i should reject some things and accept others and that's just that's not listening to the right power or powerlessness i should say you know uh I don't want Joe running my show anymore. When God runs the show, I have that piece I just described, you know. When Joe runs the show, things start to get rough. And life can be rough enough without Joe running the show. So Joe has to accept everything. And that's what I work on every day, that and never picking up a drink again. It's part of my goal, but it's different. Everybody has a different drink, you know. And I think there's seven deadly drinks. And uh, alcoholism falls in one of those, but there's so many other ways we have of falling down. But what we have to remember is whenever we fall in life, we have to make it a part of our dance and get back up again. And turn our hands back, turn our whole lives back over to God again every time we fall. He will gladly pick us up and bring us back where we belong if we let Him. And he's proved that to me so many times. It's unbelievable, you know. We're so unworthy, yet, yet we are worthy, you know. It's unbelievable.
0: One of my favorite us. stories, one of my favorite stories, it's, it's kind of like this, um, there was a, there was a professor at uh, Loyola in uh, Chicago, Loyola University in Chicago. hmm And, uh, he was pretty famous. I can't think of his name right now, but uh he was going to make a tour of many colleges throughout the uh, uh united States, and then he was going to wind up with a final uh, talk and conference at loyola his, his home parish his home uh home grounds
1: mm-hmm.
0: and uh so he went on the on the trip and he made all these visits at these different colleges and universities, and then he came home, and he was kind of nervous. He said, you know, I've got to get this talk to all these people I know here at Loyola. And I, right. you know, I want to I do a good job. And God stopped him. And he said, wait a while. you got to remember here, you're coming back home. And there are a number of elderly professors here in their 80s, one in his 90s. And you don't want to be worried about how you're going to look. You want to be worried about if you're going to say anything that is going to mean anything and help them in any way. Yeah. You know how we think of ourselves all the time?
1: Self centered. That's it, that's the enemy.
0: That's a we good have story. to take care of
1: We have to take care of ourselves, but we don't look if we start focusing and centering everything around ourselves, we have a lot of trouble. I do anyway, you know i've gotta but then' got to, got to that's be that's aware of the needs of other people what is there, There's a saying Put God first, other people second, and yourself third, and you'll be okay.
0: see the other way though, the way he was thinking at first that's that's kind of the natural way we think. So we have to change right. that thinking, right? Just like you say.
1: Yeah. It takes work. I, I still have horrible thinking. I just don't act on it anymore, you know? I let those thoughts slip away, you know? I, I don't attach to them anymore. I used to. I used to act on them right away before I even knew if they were good and bad, and that's really dangerous, you know? Our thoughts can be blessings or weapons, you know? It depends on which ones we choose, and... and uh in my case, I, I talk to friends before I do anything on major, you know, because you know you can't make all the decisions in life your, yourself, you know. That's what marriage is all about too, you know. It's two people working with each other to become one, and uh, many marriages I think fail right because people don't talk to each other and they don't they don't care what the other one thinks, and they wind up getting divorced.
0: Well, that's so, why mean, Christian community. That's why Christian community is so valuable. Right. Because uh, you want to be sent from a community if possible. And if not, a community at least, like you said, you have a, a good group of friends that you can talk to about these things.
1: I, I would bet that get... the people who have the best relationship with God have the best relationships, period, right? hmm Because God just gets into one person, and then one person spreads it to another person, and... Uh, that, that's why, you know, I used to isolate when I drank, and uh, when you isolate from other people, you're isolating from God, because he is in other people. And uh, that's the start of the end, you know. That's the beginning of sin, not wanting to be around other people. You know, now I, I enjoy going to meetings and being with other people, and I can't wait to get there. But before, I used to be like, I'd just rather drink and be by myself, you know. That's dangerous. Very dangerous for the soul, right? We were born to love other people, not just ourselves. If you don't have love, you can't give it. It's terrible, and I've been there. Never want to go back there again. I never want to be on that floor in Danbury, Connecticut. I mean, sorry, Naugatuck, Connecticut, on the floor with the telephone and a bottle of pills ready to kill myself. I never want to get to that bottom again. But I have to always remember I was there, so I never want to go back there again. You know, with other people, it's different. a lot of people have bottoms in this life, and they have to remember not to go back there. It happens very gradually. You know, you just start walking in the wrong direction, and you'll be there in no time. If you're constantly putting one foot in front of the other, taking care of what God puts there, and not complaining, And being around other people and sharing your miracles, your experience, your strength and your hope and sharing what's wrong with your life when the occasion is there to do that, that's what we need to do. We need to be a brotherhood and a sisterhood. We can't be isolators. The enemy is too powerful. I'm so grateful for being where I am now. That attitude of gratitude you talked about before is so important in maintaining spirituality and sobriety.
0: I have a book like,
1: called "The Winter. I like, I like, I like what I like what Roar said. If you think you're getting to heaven all by yourself on your own power, it's not heaven you're heading for. You have to ask people around you for help. This life, life is too hard to do by yourself. I proved that to myself for sure. I hope people realize, you know, if if you can't share with other people, it's horrible.
0: The Wisdom of the Desert, written the by wisdom Thomas of the, de- oh,
1: the
0: Wisdom yeah. of the Desert, written by Thomas Merton. <clears throat> and this one uh, is really good. One of the brethren had been insulted by another, and he wanted to take revenge. He came to Abbot uh, Sisoy and told him what had taken place saying, I'm going to get even, Father. But the elder besought him to leave the affair in the hands of God. No, said the brother, I will not give up until I have made that fellow pay for what he said. Then the elder stood up and began to pray in these terms. O God, thou art no longer necessary to us. And we no longer need thee to take care of us, since as this brother says, we both can and will avenge ourselves. At this, the brother promised to give up his idea of revenge. <laughs> Isn't that good?
1: That is great. you got to love your enemies, even, and, and love what anybody does to you. It's always a reason for it, you know? Take like forgiveness. Is the only reaction we should have to anything that happens to us. You know, we don't have to put up with a lot of stuff, but we have to forgive the people doing it. I mean, they're just, they're on their journey and they're having difficulty with it. On a good day, I can believe that, you know. And I also have to say at times, I've done the same thing myself. How can I be mad at them for doing it, you know? If I've been forgiven. I have to forgive them. Or I'll lose what I have. And what I have is precious. Having. A friendship with the Lord is the most precious gift we have, isn't it? Everything else right. is secondary.
0: I'm looking for another uh another story from this book. See if I can find it. That's a revenge story there, okay? So uh, you have some other uh, miracles that you were going to talk about in the next couple of weeks, huh?
1: I'm going to try to finish one of my... Remember I said I had the miracles I hadn't written yet? That's what I did today. I, I wrote one that I was procrastinating about, the one that I just shared with you. So I have headers for other ones. I'm, I'm going to try to do one a week so I can get all the miracles out there that I've had, and uh, hopefully people will start sharing back eventually. <clears throat> I want to read something uh, about the true self from more that I have in front of me, if you don't have anything right there. It's about the true self. Yeah. You know, uh, I want to preface that. I understand that now you know. It's also called the immortal diamond. It's that part of us that we dig hard all of our lives to reach, but it probably takes eternity to really get there. And uh, at the center of our being is a point of nothingness, which is untouched by sin and by illusion, a point of pure truth, a point or spark which belongs entirely to God, which is never at our disposal, from which God disposes of our lives which is inaccessible to the fantasies of our own mind or the brutalities of our own will. This little point of nothingness and of absolute poverty is the pure glory of God in us. It is, so to speak, God's name written in us as our poverty, as our indigence, as our dependence, as our sonship or daughtership. It is like a pure diamond blazing with the invisible light of heaven It is in everybody, and if we could see it, we would see these billions of points of light coming together in the face and blaze of of a sun that would make all the darkness and cruelty of life vanish completely. I have no program for this seeing. It is only given, but the gate of heaven is everywhere. Isn't that powerful?
0: That is wonderful.
1: That diamond in all of us that we don't think is there 90% of the time is, is more brilliant than the light of the sun. Once we find mm-hmm. it, it's what starts our journey. But it's it starts, when we start seeing it, we just keep revealing layer after layer. We have to get rid of the old stuff before it becomes bright enough to do anything, you know, and that's why we always have to look to ourselves for the solution to all our problems. We have to look and see what what we're not doing right. What we're not doing that we need to be doing to get close closer to that source of life that light that we know is there. But the first step is even knowing that it's there and this this writing is such a beautiful way of letting people know there's something more than us in us. You know? When I read it's something yeah. like that it brings tears to my eyes. Knowing this that God loves us wisdom. that much to stay in us like that through heaven and That's hell. right. You
0: know? This story from the Wisdom of the Desert uh, is uh, like what you were saying earlier. A certain brother came to Abbot Porman and said, What ought I to do, Father? What ought I to do? I am in great sadness. The elder said to him, Never despise anybody. Never condemn anybody, never speak evil of anyone, and the Lord will give you peace. Good advice. This
1: is so true. So true but it is. And I don't want to get negative, but I have to say this, you know. What a disgrace in our country! What happened with the debate between the two people running for president, where all they could do was attack each other personally instead of sticking to the issues? You know. Uh, I hope. I, I think things are going better now, but boy, what an ordeal it was watching all that stuff! And I tried not to, but you have to because you have to vote. You know. And, uh, it was. It was hard to take, but God gave us the grace to get through all of that stuff, and I hope He gives our country leaders now the grace that they need to turn this country around and start heading this country back towards God, which it looks like that's happening right now, and it's so great to see that.
0: I didn't watch any of those debates.
1: I, I tried not to, but I saw a couple, and it was devastating. It, you know, it's what I can't do. I, I can't do character assassinations on people, and I can't do gossip anymore, and that's all it was. It was horrible. So uh, here's the solution. uh I wrote this, and I think you've heard it before, but it's similar to what Raw wrote, but it's about grace. And I think this poem is really about a poem about the Holy Spirit, or a locution from the Holy Spirit. Grace. Before the dawn of time, there was grace. Grace marked time and watched over creation. Grace gave wings to hope, an eagle soared upon her wind. Grace was a light in the wilderness and a sound in the silent word. As Father Time whispered, grace amplified his words and turned them into good actions. When the Son of God was born, grace carried him throughout his journey. When he died, she carried him home. Likewise, she will carry us if we let her. Grace moves people without touching them and touches people Without moving them. She has as many children as the stars in the sky and the sands and the seas. What a great name to bear. Thank you, Grace.
0: That's a good one that grace is so important.
1: Grace, the Holy Spirit, whatever you call it, it's what moves us when we let it, you know, and doesn't move us if we don't want to move. And how painful is it to sit with grace blowing wind on you, you know, I mean, if, if God wants to move us, we're going to move eventually when we get enough pain, and that's what happened in my case, because, you know, pain is a spiritual touchstone, but, you know, I try real hard not to put myself in pain anymore, because I like that scripture, but I think it's Jeremiah, you would know, Bob. I will write my commandments in their hearts, and they will need no other teachers, and I will be their God, and they will be my people.
0: That's right. God knew we don't listen to
1: anything in writing, so he wrote the commandments in our hearts. So when we do enough wrong, we have the pain we need to go back to him. Because our bodies tell us we're doing the wrong thing when our mind won't. Our heart will. And the longest spiritual journey in creation is the distance between the person's heart and their head. And that's a long, hard journey for most people, especially people like me. And I'm so grateful but I'm closer to my heart now than I ever was in my life, and I'm starting to act on instincts which are good instead of thoughts which are not. And God has given me the discernment to start to understand the difference between what my heart wants me to do and what my head wants me to do. My head is always clogged with the wrong kind of thoughts. I've got to sit down, do some meditation, reset myself, get down on my knees every time I'm in that condition, and start my day over again and try to do things his way instead of my way. Because when I'm in pain and there's no reason, it's usually Joe. i just got to look in the mirror for the solution to my problems.
0: uh, You've come a long way, Joe.
1: Not on my own power. No. It's powerlessness that brings us.
0: You turned yourself over.
1: He turned me over, shook me around, and turned me upside down and did everything he needed to do to get me where he wanted
0: me. That's right.
1: And it was a long, painful journey, and I don't want to go backwards. And he made me have a long journey, because anything I got quickly, I gave away quickly. I didn't get this quickly. I earned this by doing what he wanted me to do. And it was a difficult, long journey, and that is exactly what Joe Avalos needed. And I thank him every day for what he's done for me. And I, I cry most days just thinking about how good he's treated me, despite what I did in my past. And I know that my past was the solution my current state all those things had to happen to get me where he needed me and he's still working on that and he has eternity to finish and that's why I'm no longer afraid of not being able to please him before I die because I know that death is just the beginning of a new journey and he will lead me for eternity if I let him and what a great God we have
0: Listen to this, Joe. Abbott Pastor said, any trial, whatever, that comes to you can be conquered by silence. Talking about meditation and contemplation. Abbott Pastor said, any trial whatever that comes to you can be conquered by silence. It's just good when things are happening to get real quiet and sit before the tabernacle if you can. What I do when I'm I'm home, when I can't go to uh, adoration at the church, I just imagine that I drive up to the church, I sign the book, I go into the Uh, chapel, and there's the monstrance, and I just sit before the the monstrance, and just be quiet, and just be quiet. Well, I think we're near the end tonight, Joe.
1: Yeah, well, that's the best place to be in front of the monstrance, but when you're home, you can take 20 minutes of quiet time every day. It helps immensely just sitting there, turning everything over to God getting in a meditative pose and having a mantra that displaces the crazy thoughts you get sometimes. And every time, every time you get your thoughts back to God, it's, 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 it's conquering things, you know. And that can happen two or 300 times in a 20 minute because there's always distractions even when you're in silence. But meditation and contemplation are such good tools to stay in constant contact with the person we want to be in constant contact with, God and our Savior and the Holy Spirit, the three-in-one trinity. It's amazing. I hope you're feeling better, Bob. You sound really good.
0: No, I feel good. I'm I'm doing good. good. So uh, we'll be back again next week. Same time, same station. And in the meantime, may God bless each and every one of you. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Joe.
1: Thank you, Bob. God bless you. We hope you enjoyed the program and will join us back for another show on WCAT Radio. This is Sebastian Mahfoud. Good day.